0: I'm sitting down today with Pumi Pumi Morare. Pumi, how are you?
1: I'm very well, thanks. How are you?
0: I'm good, thank you. And this is finding you in London today, is that right?
1: Yes, I'm in London today.
0: But usually you live in L.A., correct?
1: Well, that's a long story. I am based in L.A. usually, but I recently went back home last year uh, to Johannesburg, and I kind of never left. But I travel to L.A. frequently for work. Yeah.
0: So you're based in Joburg now, and then split your time between Joburg and L.A., and then with the occasional stint in... All right and you are yeah. for all practical purposes a filmmaker correct
1: yes i am a filmmaker specifically a writer and director
0: but you weren't always a filmmaker because when our path paths first crossed you were a management consultant and mm-hmm. before that if i'm not wrong an analyst at goldman sachs so yeah. <laughs> you really you you probably you're one of the guests on the podcast who most embodies this you know, set big goals, pursue them, and then kind of make it happen. And you switched completely out of what could be described as a set of corporate jobs to yeah. uh, an artistic creative career.
1: Hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, I was at Goldman for almost four years, um, then at McKinsey for two, and it took a lot of courage to leave because obviously there's like the very clear trajectory of Um, the path to success in those careers and also the stable income and the prestige. Um, So leaving to follow my passion was really, really hard. Um, And also um, there wasn't consistent support across my community (laughs) and family, but I'm glad I did it. I'm very glad I did it.
0: Well, the results are amazing. I mean, let's begin sort of, at the end of the story and then work backwards. So last year, you were shortlisted for an Academy Award. Uh, Let's let that sink in. So (laughs) you were shortlisted for an Oscar, the actual Oscars. And so just take us to that moment when you first learned that your film, Luca Langa* was shortlisted.
1: Yeah, it was honestly out of this world. (laughs) It was a very, very wild ride. And um, the moment that I learned of it, I was actually afraid um, to find out because there was so much anticipation about the shortlist and the time that it was coming out. Um, And I was sitting, I think I was sitting in my living room doing some work and then somebody saw the article first. Um, and they c- gave me a call, and they're like, congratulations!" And I was like, "Oh my gosh! <laughs> so it was a relief to not have to look um, at the announcement myself um, and just to have somebody just share the news that was that was really nice. And so then I started calling everyone. I first called my producer um, and my friends and uh, my family it was it was really, really out of this world and so exciting.
0: I mean, there was a build up, right? So you ended up winning in in, in 2021. So the preceding year, you ended up winning the Student Academy Awards. So it's like the, I guess, emerging Oscars. 2021, Mm -hmm. you also won HBO Short Film Competition, Mm -hmm. American Black Film Festival, and bagged a nomination for the 2021 Student BAFTA. So that's quite a run up. Can you tell us how this all happened? Like, the last I saw of you, you were a management consultant in Johannesburg. Yeah. And the next thing you know, you're shortlisted for an Oscar. So so what happened in between?
1: <laughs> in between, when I left McKinsey, I started working for a producer in South Africa. Um, and although I really, really loved um, the work, I felt like I wanted to be more creative and write and direct. And he let me take time off work to shoot short films and during that process, I realized that I was so far behind where I would like to be, so I decided to go to film school, and I applied to a bunch of film schools. I got into one in California, and it felt like the right thing to do because um, you know it's the gold standard of filmmaking, it's the center of filmmaking. Uh, so I left home in 2017, went to film school for three years, and um, the film which you're talking about was actually my thesis. So, um, and that was just a journey on its own, making it because I wanted to shoot it in South Africa and the stories in- inspired by my mom. And there was, a, there was a lot of hurdles I had to jump to get, to shoot that in south africa because they wanted us to shoot in california so yeah it was that's a journey on its own as well but the film eventually it had some delays in post-production because of covid and um like our school was closed all the facilities were closed uh, so we had to do everything remotely um and then by the time we started sending it out to festivals um it took a really long time so there was just this long delay to figure out whether <laughs> it was going to um work well or not um and initially we were getting a lot of rejections actually and so I got to a point where I thought okay maybe maybe it's not you know you know that good of a film we did our best and anyway it was just my thesis but then I think the needle moved with the student BAFTA awards uh, when we were shortlisted for that in April, 2021. Um, And then from there, they just, the film started having this crazy momentum and which led to the the winning of the student academy awards, which also allowed us to qualify for the Oscars because um, in order to qualify, to submit to the Oscars, there's certain festivals that you need to have won an award at, and the Student Academy Awards was one of them.
0: It was one of them. And and when did you decide for yourself that film would be the medium in which you wanted to tell your story, or stories, as it were?
1: It actually started in high school. So in high school, um, my English literature teacher, she started teaching us film study for some reason. And I was doing a lot of theater at the time at school. Uh, I even got to write and direct in school theater. And when we started studying film in English class, I just felt so drawn to that as a medium. It felt so much more dynamic. Uh, it felt like there's so much more you could um, do with it in terms of, you know, manipulating an audience's feelings. And um, Yeah, so I was really drawn from it at that stage, but I didn't have anyone in my family who was doing a creative career. So I um, followed finance, which is what my family was pushing me towards. But it stayed kind of like at the back of my mind, um, this passion for film. And I didn't have the courage to pursue it, um, especially now after landing some really great jobs in the corporate space. So um, I think the thing that started making me feel like I should give it a chance was when I was at Goldman and I was really burnt out and I was trying to figure out something more meaningful that I wanted to do. And it was kind of what I call my quarter life crisis.
0: What what were you doing at Goldman at the time?
1: I, I was in the credit risk team.
0: And can you describe a bit what you were doing there?
1: So it was basically analyzing um, the debt capacity of different companies that we were doing deals with. It was a similar role to what like the ratings agencies do, like S&P, Moody's, Fitch. Uh, but we're doing that in-house. And uh, we were working with like leverage finance teams to help them figure out the ratings of uh, the different companies that they were um, raising financing for. Um we worked with sales and trading um, to determine like how much risk we were willing to take on different um, companies that we were trading with. So, yeah.
0: But you but you knew at the time that you would find a way back to this creative interest of yours. Why, why do a detour in consulting?
1: So, I actually didn't know. So, when I was at Goldman, I started exploring the idea of film um, and I would go to festivals and take short courses. But... I was so afraid to jump into it that I thought that maybe the itch that I have isn't a creative itch, it's just a a new job itch. <laughs> so instead of pursuing film, um I started exploring um other job opportunities. And so then the M- McKinsey Leadership Program came about through that. And so I thought that um that move was going to be what would what what I would find fulfilling. But I guess I got to McKinsey and about a year and a half, two years in, I started feeling that itch again for for film. And that's when I started exploring it more seriously. And it was still very scary <laughs> to think about leaving. But yeah.
0: What um, happened in the US? Because I imagine doing film in South Africa is, you know, challenging as in pursuing a creative career anywhere. But then in L.A., in California, in the center of filmmaking in the world. I imagine it incredibly competitive. Everybody wants to yeah. cut through. Everybody wants their you know, work to shine. And how did you handle that? How did you make sure that yours gets through?
1: Hmm, that's such an interesting question. Um, you mean specifically how this film got through? Or just like how I navigated the industry during film school?
0: Yeah, perhaps more the second. How did you navigate this ultra competitive environment so that your film could make it through?
1: So, film school helped a lot because I had professors that were advising me, who were my mentors. Uh, we had a film festival um, person at our school who would advise us on the right festivals for our films. Yeah, I think it was a combination of. Those things, my mentors, the, the staff at the school, uh, definitely being in film school gave me maybe a leg up over somebody who hadn't been through the film school system just because I'd kn- known so much from that. Being in the U.S., I got a chance to travel to different festivals and understand you know, a bit of the festival system. So I think that helped as well to navigate that space.
0: How does one fund three years of film school?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) So it was um, okay. So I got a partial scholarship from my school, from the film school. And then I got uh, some bursary funding from an organization in South Africa called the National Film and Video Foundation, which is part of the departments of arts and culture. Um, And then I had um, the Oppenheimer Memorial Trust at some point as well. And then I used some savings from when I was in banking. Um, And I also worked on campus. (laughs) All of those things. (laughs) So
0: you clobbered together what you could get in student aid, jobs, basically turned every penny, I assume, and somehow funded this thing.
1: Yeah, including some savings from when I was in banking helped as well. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Now, I would imagine working in that environment is challenging. And can you talk to us just about some of the challenges that you faced? What were they? How did you overcome them?
1: Specifically with the film or like with internships and things like that?
0: Could be both. Yeah. Just sort of surviving it, you know, year over year, month over month, or getting the film made. Just imagine living in LA in the sort of you know, media world is just cutthroat and tough. So what were some of the challenges?
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was extremely tough. Um, I think one of the things that I found extremely hard was um, just doing internships. So because everyone in LA is so hungry to get into the industry, we're all doing unpaid internships. Um, And as a student who had bootstrapped herself essentially um, and was using student aid I was finding that very very difficult Um, and yeah so I found that some of my peers um, you know they their parents were helping them and you know they weren't paying for rent and things like that Uh, so they were just a lot more um, carefree (laughs) Um, but I was stressed all the time because I was trying to break into the industry by doing these internships, but also just even getting to the internships, like the transport cost and all of that was um, was all adding up and was was extremely stressful. So that was one thing. Um, the second had thing was... You to fund was,
0: all of it out of your own pocket?
1: Yeah, which is why I took a job on campus so I could fund my transport <laughs> to internships. The other thing that I found challenging... Yeah, so LA is a very, very expensive place to live. And even when I had finished film school and my film was doing this festival run and I was having to travel to these festivals because it's a networking opportunity. I was having to travel to all these festivals, but also just like funding my uh, way to a lot of them and um, also just having to pay the bills. And so I was doing two jobs. I was doing two part-time jobs. Uh, so that I could do all of that. And that was extremely stressful and potentially was one of the reasons why I thought, you know, I might have more creative freedom if I move home, because Johannesburg is just so much more affordable. So I don't have to work um, doing all this other stuff, just trying to pay the bills while also trying to be creative at the same time uh, because that was the challenge in LA is you're just trying to have a creative career, but you have to do all this other stuff to fund it. Um, and also when I thought about um, just, uh, you know, kind of the the lifestyle I would like to lead and the kind of creative... Um, uh, freedom I'd like to have in the space to <laughs> imagine and stuff I felt like maybe coming home would help with that yeah
0: yeah you sounded pretty casual about it but I imagine if you're burning up your savings and then you're sort of you know running two part-time jobs just to stay afloat and you don't know whether this is all going to work it- I mean it sounds ultra stressy not kind of oh yeah you know you have to spend a bit of time to fund yourself it it sounds like existentially raw i mean that's
1: it was it really really was because when i left for film school and i was thinking about all this money i am now going to sort of just spend towards film school um and potentially waste away i did think what if it doesn't work out and i just like drained all my savings and and all of that but uh, and I did have that existential moment uh, where you know I had just finished this thesis film it didn't seem to be going anywhere for some months and I felt like wow I've spent all of my savings on this I've put this huge bet on this career and it might not even work out <laughs> Yeah it's so, ultra brave yeah. I mean, you
0: sound you sound you sound pretty casual but actually it's amazingly brave that you just pushed ahead and I mean I guess you decided reasonably early on in your career but also you're not sort of taking first steps in the labor market you're about for all practical purposes mid-career I mean you you know you're not 25 anymore uh, you know (laughs) not taking guesses uh, about your age but so where And we'll talk about the film in a moment but Where do you stand now? How do you fund your work and and what goals do you pursue now? Because this film, as you said, was your master's thesis. And then it was in the running for the Entrance Awards in 2021. It was nominated for the Oscar in 2022. What's what's on your docket today and how do you pay for that?
1: So today um, I'm working on getting a feature film, my first feature film, Off the Ground. Um so it's been through some programs where um, I was fortunate to get funding to work on it. So um, I don't know if your audience would know, but development grants um, are to help with writing the script. so um that's that's been a way that I've been able to um, work on that dream. Um, in the meantime, and then I was fortunate enough last year when I moved to South Africa temporarily, one of the reasons I stayed is I actually got this really great opportunity to do a commissioned feature film uh, for one of the streamers. And so um, I've been working on that as well. And that's been a, a great source of both income as well as being able to start monetizing my my passion and my my new skills.
0: Yeah. Can you tell us about that film? What's it called? What's it about?
1: I I can't. That's why I you said can't. like vaguely <laughs> <laughs> a streamer. <Okay. laughs> but um, but uh, it's it's basically a feature film which I am hoping will get made, um, and soon. Uh, that's set in South Africa. Yeah,
0: excellent. So yeah. let's talk about Lakuchani Nilanga. It's set in 1985. It's yes. about private acts of bravery in the face of very cruel apartheid rule. Yeah. Can you tell us what it's about and what your personal connection is to the story it tells?
1: Yeah, so um, the film is about this young nurse uh, who's also a caretaker of her younger brother and sister. And uh, she's living in apartheid South Africa in the 1980s and she discovers that her brother has been abducted um, and or is missing, and she has to find him and save him. Uh, and the film is actually inspired by something that happened to my mom and her brother in the 80s um, when she saw her brother getting abducted by apartheid police and in a similar way she had to fight to save him. And the reason why I, I told that story is because I was really moved by this idea that my mom, who's similar to me in terms of she's like very soft-spoken and calm, how she would have this courage to confront these very aggressive um, police and to put her own life in danger just out of love and to save her brother. Um, And so I just thought it was just this beautiful like, concept and story of how love can transcend, um, oppression and can transcend, um, something as dark as apartheid, especially because that act, um, of love resulted in, in my uncle's freedom. Um, because a lot of the time those stories don't end that way. So it's nice to see a story where it does end in in a positive way.
0: Yeah. It's very hopeful the way that that scene is depicted in, the film where the character of your mother the nurse confronts two officers and although the officers brutally assault her somehow she still manages to to incite the release of her brother and walks away with him and her little sister somehow from the yeah. scene though bruised yeah. and hurt it's a little moment of triumph against an impossible like against impossible odds and against an impossible op- oppressor Yes. What What do you see and think and feel when you observe SA today out of the proximity of having returned to the country?
1: <sighs> Disappointment. <laughs> um, it's funny because... You know, it's 40 because... years
0: on, nearly. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: It's funny, though, because I'm usually quite optimistic about South Africa. I'm optimistic in terms of like um, not a lot of times do we actually think about the progress that has been made um, since that time, Um, especially when you look at how that time really was. My generation, I don't think we can fully grasp how that time was. Um, And so when I made the film, it made it a bit more tangible for me. And so we've made so much progress. So I do try to be optimistic because of that but I do feel so disappointed in how in some ways some of that progress we've backtracked on it um, because of you know leadership in South Africa and as many South Africans like I feel like I long for visionary leadership that will just take that progress forward again yeah
0: is the evolution of South Africa still a topic for you or have you moved on from a content point of view to tell other stories in your work?
1: So I I still tell South African stories but um, I'm telling some contemporary stories now um, in some ways or actually definitely the kind of stories I tell are always inspired by people um, so either people in my family or people I've read about who I ask permission to tell their story. So I love the stories of um, sort of ordinary heroes, um, especially in a South African context. And I'm hoping that some of my work uh, will give South Africans and young South Africans some hope and optimism about the future when we see um, stories of where we come from, not even just from historically, but even present day, the kinds of um, inspiring people that are out there.
0: Can you give us some examples without obviously revealing your latest film production, but just some examples of stories <laughs> that that have piqued your interest that are in your notebook of ideas to develop, let's say?
1: Yeah, so um, an example is a, my my grandmother on my father's side has this really great story um, about how she left Zimb- Swaziland like, and she was somehow connected to the royal family in Swaziland and how she left and moved to South Africa. And just like the story of how that um, translated and who she is today um there's stories i've there's a current story I'm pursuing of this really inspiring woman from the fifties, so actually, maybe I'm not doing as many contemporary stories as I think i am i'm doing i'm really um <laughs> I love history a lot um and I love knowing where we come from um and so there's a story I'm currently pursuing about a South African woman in the fifties. Um, who traveled the world and was an editor of a magazine, an international magazine, Um, and, um, yeah, stories like that.
0: Across the, I guess, the the last 10 years, it it seems like one of your biggest goals was to just get into a position where you can get films made and have the world see them. If you look forward to the next 10 years, what, your goals
1: yeah so my goal over the next 10 years is to make oh it's so weird like saying this on a podcast (laughs) but I would like to make um global films that are studio films essentially that's what I'm building towards um being able to be a studio director um making epic films
0: Awesome. How does, how does one do that? Like, is it just about producing a high quality picture and then the next and then the next, or do you have to be more systematic about, let's say the kinds of people that you work with or the kinds of studios that fund and develop your work? Like what's the career side of the journey that you have to put in place?
1: For me, the way I've looked at it is I see people that whose career journeys I admire and who are inspirations for me. And I look at where they started. So um, I'm always looking at where did this person start? How did they get on this journey? Um, And a lot of the times I'll find like programs that they were on and um, grants that they received. And then I'll see, oh, these are some of the programs that kind of accelerate your career or a catalysts. And so I'll apply for those things. Um, so for me, it's getting into the right programs. Um, also, hopefully consistently del- delivering uh, high quality of films going forward. Um, and then getting to a place where I am now being approached as well. So yeah, so it's that following is the that, is,
0: is that starting to happen.
1: It happened during my um during the awards um sort of season of my last film. Yeah. And it's also how I got a a representative. So I currently have a manager um based in Hollywood. So um, yeah, it happened with that film. So hopefully if I continue to deliver Um, great work, then that will continue to happen at a larger scale.
0: Excellent. When I imagine your portfolio of work, I, I think that a lot of it happens independently and on your own. How do you create a support network or a sense of a team or a sense of a community around yourself to make the journey feel collective?
1: So I have a lot of filmmaker friends who are on the same journey as me. Um, Most of them obviously based in LA. Um, So we have a community around each other. We give each other feedback on our work. We support each other with um, ideas on how to get our work made or seen. Um, We... Yeah, so, so that's been my community um, that has helped me in my career, that has helped me also propel my career forward because we're always sharing opportunities um, and ways to push each of our work forward. Um, and actually, now that I think about it, a lot of those people are uh, Black women. So we, we have this community together where we're supporting each other. Um, and then... I guess my family has increasingly been that as well. It took them a while to come around because um, I think it took them a while to wrap their heads around why I was doing this career change. But um, they've now been a big support for me. Um, And then my friends in Johannesburg have now been a a big support for me as well.
0: It must have been a big... Pivot, I suppose, mentally for especially your parents if they had set their sights on a career in finance or maybe at at best consulting or sorry not at best but at minimum consulting um, as an acceptable path and here you are in the creative industries with precarious employment you know uncertain uh, path forward going from project based work to project based work how did they Come around, and when did they start to really wholeheartedly embrace and support your journey?
1: Um, I think it started when they realized how much I was sacrificing. Yeah. So, um, and how fulfilled I was as well. So, I was sacrificing a lot, but I was also really happy. Um, so I think that's when they started thinking, okay, there must be something to this
0: <laughs> if
1: she's <laughs> giving up so much for it. Um, so, so that was maybe a few years into being at film school. Um, and then, But then there was still that fear, like, is this going to work out for her? We're supporting her, but is it going to work out? So I think the success of my last film gave them comfort that um, things are going to work out. So, so yeah.
0: (laughs) If you, if you look back at the journey so far, can you tell us about maybe two or three of the most profound lessons that you learned along the way?
1: Hmm. Okay. So one I would say is, so with my last film, the way that, um, it ended up being successful was was a surprise because I chose to just be true to myself with that film. Like I was told uh, nobody's going to care about a film in a foreign language in the <laughs> past about a black woman. But for me, I, it was really, really important for me to tell the story. Um, it was something that, it's funny, sometimes they say that stories kind of call to you And it's whether you're going to answer the call or not. So I felt like I was answering the call of the story. um, And it was something I cared deeply about. And so for me, it was a huge lesson in when you kind of um, do what's true to you, you follow your passion and what you feel called to do. Things kind of fall into place Um, because there's always this pressure to think about what, what, what is an award-winning film? Like, what's a festival darling film? What will people like? And then try and make that film. So I'm glad I learned early that that's not how I should approach it. And then the second lesson, um, which I also learned with this last film, is the idea of, like, never – so, well, the way I usually put it is – Keep knocking on the door until somebody says yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I had to hustle so hard to get that film made, and I had to dream big in some ways as well. Like even um, the song that's in the film,
0: yeah, at Miriam the McKibba end, McKibba song.
1: Yeah, it's a Miriam Makeba song, and people would say to me, "You're not going to get a Miriam Makeba song on a student budget." <laughs> Um and so I thought well let's see. Um and I eventually got a chance to meet people from the Miriam Makeba Trust and got to pitch to them you know why the song was so important to me and they were so kind and so generous and really believed in um me using the song as well and I ended up being they ended up allowing me to use student discount like a major major student discount um to use the song and for me that was a lesson in um you know just just try until somebody says yes (laughs) yeah
0: amazing i when i when i saw your film miriam makeba's song about you know waiting and searching for a loved one it encapsulates that entire tale, but it doesn't just yes. do that on a content level. Yes, it's about the same content somehow, but it does so in terms of mood and feeling and aesthetic. It, The wistfulness yeah. of the song. I mean, it's hard to talk about it if people haven't heard it or seen the film, but, and we'll need to share where and how one might be able to see your film, but the connection between the pictures and the color of the photography and that kind of dusty 1985 afternoon sun resonates with yeah. Makeba's melodies and I suppose the sentiment as well. So that whole aesthetic experience is it's one very carefully put together piece, I would say. And it, Thank you. Anyway, that's just my kind of little outside in view. Thank but you. one thing I would say is that you haven't really mm-hmm. taken any compromises, I don't think. So you haven't, for example, made the plot be trying to do more than tell that little sequence those two three days in the life of of your mother and and her siblings and I think it's just incredibly authentic in my mind maybe just to you know wrap up here a few small questions to close out what's one person whom you've never quite thanked enough who really deserves a shout out
1: Hmm, I think my high school teacher who introduced me to film, um, I haven't really had a chance to tell her that she's the catalyst for me even having the idea of go- going into film. Um, and I've been meaning to to go to my school, but the, the problem is it's, it's in KwaZulu-Natal, so I'd have to like take a whole trip there but i've been meaning to go to my school and just tell her um how thankful i am for introducing me to it
0: you should do it you should go to your school tell your teacher that it was life-changing which i'm sure at minimum uh, i I think should contribute to her own fulfilling and sense of fulfillment at maximum could inspire some of the other kids there i mean
1: yeah. You went off to
0: Hollywood and got yourself an Oscar nomination. I mean, it's quite, quite a big achievement. <laughs> so you should do it. A trip to yeah, a trip to KZN is no big deal. Come on. It can be done in a few days.
1: Yeah, that's true. I definitely should make the effort to do it.
0: Good. Well, Pumi, I think we're almost ready to wrap up. Any final experiences or adventures that you successfully mastered that would be worth sharing before we... Wrap up?
1: Well, I mean, I don't know if this is something I successfully mastered, but it's something that I learned uh, during the uh, campaign trail of my film. So there's this um, – a lot of people aren't clear whether campaigning for a film is does anything or not because at the end of the day, um, the Academy members – Technically, watch all the films that are assigned to them, and then they make a decision and vote. So um, it's sort of people are like is does it even do anything? But um, the thing that I got from it, whether it you know helped create more awareness or not, the thing that I got from it is I met so many people, um, and through that I was able to expand my network. Um And through that, I was able to get more opportunities, and so uh one of the things the publicists that we hired said is that if um if there's one thing that we hope this will create is it will um help your profile as a filmmaker, um even if it doesn't do anything with getting people to vote for it and so you know that's what I would say going forward to any filmmaker out there, if they have any second thoughts about whether to um, get publicity for their film, it's definitely worth it just for uh, meeting people, getting your profile out there.
0: Last question, obviously we've teased the movie or the, the film quite a bit, so people might be yeah. wondering, <laughs> is, is there a way for them to see it? Or if there isn't at the moment, what's the path to distribution that would get this in the hands of our listeners?
1: So, uh, if you're in the US, it's on HBO Max, which is now called Max. Um, and then on the continent of Africa, it's on Showmax. Um, in Europe, I'm still trying to get a distributor, so it's not there yet. Uh, but fingers hopefully crossed. soon. Yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully soon. Fingers
0: crossed. Yeah. super well Pumi thank you so much for taking the time to talk to myself and our listeners and I wish you much success in the as of yet secret feature film <laughs> do let us know when I can
1: tell you after the recording
0: <laughs> exactly yeah please yeah. do and who knows we might catch up for a round two but uh, for today thank you so much and I'm really pleased that we could make something spontaneous happen here
1: thank you so much for having me
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like the show, please recommend the podcast to a friend. Give us a rating and a quick review wherever you listen to it. This helps others who might be interested to find the show. If there's a topic we should absolutely cover or a guest you'd recommend, please send us your ideas and feedback to dwff.pod at gmail.com.